Folks, welcome into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. It's Thursday, June 8th, 2023. Happy Pride, everybody. Gavin Eubank, Kyle Foley here with you today. And we've got a doozy of a show, a lot to get to. Um, So let's start with the big one. Let's just start right off the bat. Months, years of rumors, speculation. Kyle, I didn't think it was going to happen, but it finally did. He's Uh, here. uh, 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 Grimace, Grimace is back. Oh, no. oh, Grim! Yes, I forgot the return of Grimace. <laughs> Grimace's birthday, the Grimace shake. Um, did you text him? They were throwing at his text line. I, I did not text him, but I did notice as soon as he put that thing out, texting him. All of a sudden, New York looks like a scene out of Blade Runner. Yep. So that's what he brought to us. He brought. He's bringing the apocalypse to us. Um, but no, no, the real uh, big story, obviously, that you've seen all over your Twitter feeds. Um, I think you should leave season three. What are your early reviews? <laughs> I think you should leave season three. That's the other. That's the actual oh. big news that we've been talking about. Yes, I t- listen. It's been a it's been a long week. It's 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 great. It's I really <laughs> enjoyed right. it. No more no more uh, dancing around here. Let's get to the real. Uh, oh, the topics real that we all came to discuss um, across the Spider Verse. Baby, baby, baby Gronk. Uh, rizzed up, rizzed up by Livy. He's now the new Drip King. I don't know if you've heard this one. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Um, all right, you ready to get serious here on the Orlando I'm, Soccer Show? I'm ready. It's it's been kind of a messy start to the show. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You could say that. You could say it at the very least. Um, you know, speaking of orange skies, let's turn our attention to where you know it's actually purple. Florida's been pretty purple for a while which kind of makes you know you know it it certainly makes things interesting now that we actually do have and no more joking around here it feels crazy to say and i think even this morning so i saw that there was like a full page the new york times dedicated leonel messi will be signing with inter miami he's coming to major league soccer and I don't know. I mean, it just feels crazy. And I think every time I think about it, it kind of sinks in a little bit more just how monumental of a moment this is, not just for MLS, but for American soccer in general. Yeah, it's a huge move. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I mean, I don't like the just the idea of of the league negotiating these types of deals and kind of being big players in these types of deals. That, to me, feels very MLS 1.0. And I don't like that aspect of it. But the rest of it has started to grow on me in terms of just, obviously, you look at Inter-Miami went from like a million Instagram followers to five million basically overnight. That's that's the kind of effect that Messi has on the world. And so it's it's nice to kind of have that helping boost MLS. It's also nice that he turned down, listen, it would have been a bigger payday to go to Saudi Arabia, even with this deal with Apple TV and adidas that he's got to get worked out it's still the saudi arabian deal would have been like a billion dollars over two years like that's insane that's that's just an absurd amount of money and that's and he turned that down and he talked about a little bit wanting to play in this league wanting to come over here and play and i think he's only he turns 36 next month and so i think it's also kind of a case of like he's not an old man He's not like right about to retire. He's still an elite playmaker. He's been excellent for PSG this year. This isn't kind of what it had been in the past with MLS where guys who are not to that level would come here in their mid to late 30s. And it's a different era of sports where we've seen people in those age ranges can still be extremely good and extremely competitive. So I'm really excited to see see what he brings, not just off the field, which we know is going to be massive, but on the field. Like, that's going to be such a huge boost for, obviously, that team. But even just showing, like, hey, these guys are coming. It's not going to be the easiest adaptation. He's not going to come in and score 50 goals in six weeks and, and some crazy stuff like that. But it will hopefully start to bring in, you know, there's rumors that they might bring uh, Di Maria, Luis Suarez, Sergio Busquets, there's other players that they're talking about. Of course, roster rules don't apply to Miami, as we've seen in the past. But this is... Uh, <laughs> Like, if they're able to bring in 
more of those players, guys who are still capable of, of playing at higher levels. I think it's, you know, like Barcelona wanted Messi. They just couldn't guarantee that they could actually make it work. And he said that he said he didn't want to have to be responsible for other people cutting their salaries for him to come, come back. And he didn't have any guarantees that it would work. And so he, he, he didn't want to do it. So it's not, I don't know, man. It's it's to choose this over something like that. Like it's clear that he wants to come here. It's clear that he wants to play here. And I think it could be a good kind of future wave of changes for MLS in the same way that David Beckham coming was a huge change for, for MLS and a huge boon for MLS. I just think thankfully this doesn't feel like a retirement move so much as a he's done all he could do in Europe. He's won everything there is to win over there and now he's won a World Cup and so now he's thinking a little more about his family but still coming to a very competitive league, which is we've talked to some players this season from Orlando City coming from South America. They've, they've been surprised at how competitive and challenging this league is. So I think it's, it's, it's really good for soccer as a whole. It's really good for soccer in the United States. I, 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 I've become a lot more excited about it, even if I don't like the machinations of, of how it came to be and, and how all of the roster shenanigans work for MLS in general. No, for sure. And I mean, you talk about he's, he's, in the term of sports, he is old, but you know, as a human, he's still relatively young. I mean, this is also a guy that just scored seven goals in a World Cup six months ago, um, and winning that World Cup, by the way, in a dominating fashion. I mean, throughout the entire tournament, he was spectacular. And it's you talk about the impact that David Beckham made, and I'll tell you, you know, I was. I wasn't really a fan of soccer. I didn't get into the sport until about 2009, I'd say, around then, kind of in the build-up to the 2010 World Cup. Um, but I knew about David Beckham. You know, I knew about David Beckham playing in Major League Soccer because I was a big sports fan, and that was a sports story, not just a Major League Soccer story. And, you know, big sports stories, you're going to find them. Um, but Messi being there... Like you said, this is one of those things that really just kind of transcends that. And it's everybody in the world, maybe not you know everybody, but anybody who is a sports fan of some sort, and even just casuals, especially in more soccer, you know, mad countries, everybody knows who Lionel Messi is. And like you said, you know, you talk about they went from a million to five million followers on Instagram. I think on Twitter, they've gotten almost 200,000 followers in the last two days. I mean... This is one of those things where he has been synonymous with two clubs now, or really one club in his lifetime, Barcelona, and you can now say the last couple of years, PSG. But Inter-Miami now being that name, and with Inter-Miami, all of these eyes, billions of people will be looking at not just them, but at Major League Soccer. And this is an opportunity for the league to show the world because the world will be watching every game that he plays the world will be watching and this is an opportunity for major league soccer to show like we're not a retirement league we have good talent we have great players here we have great teams doing great things on a weekly basis mm -hmm. compared to and and this is not to say that you know the soccer in France or whatever is not good, but he's been playing in leagues his whole career where the talent and the, the competition is is top heavy. It's it's limited to a handful of teams, and even in that regard, two or three teams that have any actual aspirations of winning titles. How many titles? Well, they did just lose um, a couple years ago, so they PSG haven't won a billion in a row, but they've won most almost all of the last like 10 or 13 you know 10 to 13 titles and also um, though like the winners like they was it oh gosh it was it who was it that won why is my brain blanking who was it that won i know monaco won at one point didn't they it might have been leo i think that's who it was uh so oh, there's been a couple no no, no sorry so leo won in 2020 and then Monaco had won back in 2016. Otherwise, over the last 10 years, it's been just PSG. In Spain, it was obviously very top-heavy between Barcelona, Real Madrid, and then Atletico Madrid uh, for for a while, kind of in and out in there. But yeah, that's that's you, like you saying that kind of reminded me of of 
the kind of lesser talked about thing that's really interesting is yeah he's never played in a league where I mean we joked about Miami everyone on Twitter is joking about Miami being at the bottom of the table and but they're still only like what six points out of the playoffs so it's it's a it's a league where getting to the next level is not very hard and so I I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he fares in a league where like you don't really get games that you can kind of take off and I'm not saying that he he did I'm not this isn't a, a messy thing this is just a soccer thing in that you know PSG could take games off now the some of the problems lately have been that they have take taken too many games off but they've been they've been able to kind of relax and the same with even the years especially his his first couple years with Barcelona under under Pep like you can be a little more relaxed in games you can't do that in MLS you can't take games off because every team is capable of beating you every week in the same way that players playing in the Premier League you know even the lowest of the low teams like Tottenham can beat you on any any given week so yeah that's something I didn't even think about is like it's gonna be very interesting to see him and his I mean he's brilliant he's 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 arguably the greatest player to ever play the game and the only reason it's arguable is because the guys that did it before that are historical greats did it in eras where what they did then was so much different than what everybody else was doing that it's really hard to compare but I mean he's just a genius who physically I mean the debate between him and Ronaldo over the last two decades but Ronaldo is like a an athletic specimen it's like when you look at LeBron James you go this dude is just physically imposing Messi's not he's this short king you know we're represented but he's a he's a short small dude who's like balling out and just one of the greatest minds and greatest ability uh you know it's so it's man that's gonna be fascinating to see here too because it's just such a very different and unique skill set that he has and he has it better than anybody else has ever had so man that's gonna be interesting to see him do, going you know traveling to, to to salt lake city and taking on real salt lake seeing him put on a master class like that's gonna be it's gonna be great and the other thing is like who's next you know what i mean who does who does mls kind of go after next to bring in yeah, and that's that's kind of a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, but you know, in terms of the grand scale, and it's gonna take, listen, it's gonna take Major League Soccer, really embracing this moment and actually using it to elevate the league to the next level. Because where the Major League Soccer is right now is all of the components are there. I mean, when you look at the facilities. Where the markets that this league is in, the markets that they will be in within the next few years, you're talking San Diego, probably Las Vegas at some point. Um, the the TV deal with Apple, and, and like I said, this is not just a, a an American TV deal. This is a global deal. Anybody in any given country can sign up for MLS Season Pass and watch these games. And you have this moment now where all eyes up to this point have been on 2026. The World Cup's going to be here. All eyes are going to be on this country. It's going to be a commercial boon that is going to really propel Major League Soccer. This this is the moment now. I don't think if you're Major League Soccer, you can continue to wait on 2026. You have to take this opportunity while you have Messi here. Loosen the reins. Let teams get the talent that they need to let Miami... Get the talent that it needs to put around Lionel Messi so that his experience here is not only beneficial to him, but it's beneficial to everybody. Because if if everybody is able to watch these games and, you know, worldwide fans aren't going to suddenly start tuning into FC Cincinnati games, but they're going to be watching for MLS. They're going to be watching these Inter-Miami games. They're going to want to see that Messi's not just the guy on the field carrying into Miami. And, and don't get me wrong. I don't think that that would even be possible. I don't think that the impact he's going to make on this team is going to be enough to suddenly put in Miami in like a title contention. They're a bad team with no current coach, just a, a terrible roster from top to bottom, but he'll have an impact, but you're going to want to showcase that to the world. You know, he has played on some of the greatest soccer teams of all time and it would it will be extremely embarrassing if he's here for two three years, which you know, at, as far as I've seen, I don't even know if it's been reported how long he might be here. But you're not going to want to put any 
embarrassing teams on the field with or against Lionel Messi. But the problem is the rules that they are in Major League Soccer prevent a lot of teams from accomplishing that. They, they, they don't allow you to spend enough to compete in these tournaments, these in CONCACAF Champions League, um, and all of these things to make it realistically like feasible that people are going to tune in and say like, Oh wow. Like these, these guys are actually pretty good. <laughs> that's where the, that's where major league soccer has this opportunity to really take advantage of it. Um, yeah, well, that's, we, we talked about that a lot and we talked about it a lot in our, in our discord shameless plug. We'll make sure we tweet out a link, but if you check our Twitter page, find a soccer show, you can find our discord where we have these conversations and you could see me, rage a little bit yesterday and then slowly come to acceptance of all of this but like uh, mls buzz tweeted out a, a thought that i saw this morning which was that that Lionel messi is proof of what i've said about mls for a long time the league does not struggle with recruitment if there was no salary cap the player recruitment would be top five in the world now i don't know if i agree with top five in the world because obviously that's a huge that's a huge claim but the more i think about it like we talk about these top heavy leagues we talk about with the, the two most kind of evenly matched leagues in the world are, you know, where top to bottom, there's good teams all throughout. It's really, it's the Premier League. If we're, so let's look at the top five European leagues. I said in the world, but let's look at the top five. It's really, it's England and it's Italy, where Italy's had a, a pretty rotating stable of champions and they're not necessarily strong towards the bottom, but at the top it's not just one or two teams kind of alternating right you don't look at just one complete i mean napoli this year were incredible and that was a bit of a surprise to people because it's they've not been the traditional powerhouse through there so seeing those sorts of things like mls has the ability the owners have the money the owners of mls clubs are some of the and these richest. players want to live in america i think that's kind of like the big thing to get at too you know like and like not said, just recruitment in is not an issue and not just in miami and los angeles like we've seen international players especially up and coming young stars go to places that are a little less i mean some of them cincinnati for christ's sake it's like one of the it's awful it's it's dirty brown water trash it sucks and players want to go there because they want to come play here because it's it's they want to come live here and so i think it's it's clear i mean the owners of mls clubs are some of the richest sports owners in the world but they have no incentive to spend money because of the way the league is structured there's no incentive to fielding a, a competitive roster year in and an year mls out. owner almost just won the premier league this year yeah there's well, actually <laughs> technically one did another one almost did <laughs> oh yeah it's technically true so like we've seen like th there's just no there's no incentive to spend like that here and so I think, and a lot of that is just the way things are structured and the way it's all designed, and that's it sucks. It's and I don't like it. But I think if if those things were to change, which I don't see them doing, unfortunately, like it, this shouldn't be a oh, you know, they're getting the good. Uh, Miami's getting this transcendent superstar for the last couple years of his career, and he'll come and do things whatever. And that's why I, I said the question is who's next because it has to be more of these and they need to be younger and they need to be going to other teams these star players i mean look at places like um i think the netherlands and belgium and countries like that and even ukraine for like brazilian players are, have always been good examples of they bring in these young especially south american but they're bringing in young players and developing them into you know being massive look at the amount of players at ix using their youth system and like teams that have done this and whatever and I think MLS has the ability. Right now, MLS is taking that approach um, and not – it's a selling league. And it's been good for the league. It's a much better change than being kind of just the domestic re and, and retirement league. But I think you what we need to see now is opening up the rules, opening up the way this all works so that – because there is – there's the financial power – both in the league and just in the country to make this a top league in the world where players are wanting to come from all over to play at elite stages of their career and not getting them when they're, you know, in their 30s and they're still capable of playing in Europe, but they want to come here. But guys who are, you know, in their early to mid 20s, guys who are younger, who have the ability to go play for for top clubs in other countries but they want to come here because it's a it's a good place to play and it's a good league the quality of play in the league has never been higher but it can be better and what mls can't do is settle 
and just be happy with the messy bump. They need to be hungry and go for more. And part of that involves relaxing some of the rules. And listen, the structure of U.S. soccer is never going to change. It's never going to be anything different than the the closed system that it is and, and something we've all had to accept over the decades. Maybe one day it'll change, but I, I doubt it. But now it ne- needs to be allowing these teams to spend the money that we know the owners have and incentivizing them to do so. And I think if we if we see that happen, you're going to see more moves like this, but at, at earlier stages in players' careers, and it'll be huge. It'll be so huge. I think MLS is afraid of losing its parity. It's afraid of the haves and the have-nots, but it, I don't think it. I don't think anybody who watches this league can dispute the fact that the league is already there. There are the haves and the have-nots. You know, the LAFCs, the Torontos, the NYCs, the um, Seattles. I mean, they are there, and they're consistently there. However, the way that the the competition structure of the league is formatted, it prevents them from running away with it. You know, LAFC has been one of the more dominating teams in the league. Atlanta has is a team that it is is a haves. They have the money and resources to do what they want, but they haven't been successful always, especially lately. Toronto's the same way. Um, NYCFC has struggled. Uh, Seattle, the last couple of years, has, has not been to their peak. There is the ability to let these teams, let these destination markets grab the players that want to play there because that is going to, it's going to lift the league's profile. It's going to help the league and it's not going to necessarily diminish competition because we've seen (laughs) parity is in the blood of major league soccer. And I don't think that loosening salary restrictions are going to necessarily hurt that. I mean, like you said, you take a look at the standings right now. Cincinnati on 39 points. All right, maybe this wasn't a good example because they were kind of running away with it <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. But let's talk Orlando City. They're four points above the line. They're also four points below fourth place. Inter-Miami is on 15 points. They're only six points out of a playoff spot, and they're the worst team in the Eastern Conference. The, the structure is there. Allow the clubs that want to do this, allow the clubs that want to spend their money to build a good product, to build a great business, because that's what these clubs are. They're just businesses. Their product is soccer, but they're all businesses, and that's how they're run. Let them be the business that they want to be. And you're seeing here Miami has had that opportunity, and they're going to do it with with Messi, but the restrictions of the league and salary cap and allocation and DP slots will ultimately prevent them from being the best business possible and allowing them to put the best talent around Messi. Um, but I mean, hopefully, hopefully I, I can't say I'm, I expect it because there's MLS has had a lot of opportunities to do what a lot of people think they should do and they haven't taken it. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is there anything else you want to add to this? I mean, we've kind of, no, I just I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you on that. I don't think they're going to make the changes. Unfortunately, it, I wish that they would. I just I don't see it happening, which is a shame because I think it, there's a lot of good that could happen for MLS right now. And I I do I think they're I think they're gonna botch it. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I know. Uh, interesting. A lot. Very interesting. You know, see how Miami specifically handles this in their temporary stadium. I, I think. Whether or not they move to the Hard Rock to play some games, it seems like there might be some discussion of that. But I don't know. Um, I don't need to, you know, give out the rest of the details of this. It's been reported everywhere. We're just here to give our thoughts on it before we move on. Um, as it relates to Orlando City, they are scheduled to host Inter Miami later this season, September twenty fourth. Messi will presumably be there. Um, the team, so. I don't know if you've seen this. A lot of teams around the league have been selling tens of thousands of tickets to their games in the news broke. I think um, the Chicago Fire have sold over 10,000 tickets in the last like 24 hours since it was announced that Messi would be coming to Miami. Um, Chicago does host Miami. Um, I think Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta has opened up the entire Mercedes-Benz Stadium, upper decks, everything, and they've come pretty close to selling out already. Um, DC United has sold five six thousand tickets in the time then that'll obviously sell out i mean these games are going to sell out everywhere charlotte as well ten ten thousand plus tickets i think at um, bank of america stadium so but as it relates to orlando city 
the club has locked down for the moment they have locked down ticket sales. You cannot buy tickets unless you buy a season ticket membership at a prorated rate or you buy a, they're going to be unveiling a four pack, the defend the fortress four pack, which will be unveiled Thursday. So today, um, as we're recording this, I don't think I've seen it yet. I feel like I would have seen it in the inbox if it came out. Um, but yeah, so you're either going to have to pay hundreds of dollars marked up on the resale market, or you're going to have to buy an Orlando City season ticket um, or a four-pack of games to get in on Messi's first game, likely in Orlando. Um, that'll be exciting. <laughs> good. I'm just going to say good luck to you because <laughs> I don't know how they're going to handle all the media for that. That is not a very big press area in X, Explorer Stadium. So good luck to that. I think I will be all right, given that I will be covering for the Sentinel, but I do think it will be chaos. Oh, chaos for sure. Uh, so yeah, interesting to say the least. But uh, speaking of Orlando City, let's move on. Um, I think we've given enough time, enough free ad time to their rivals down in South Florida. Yeah, let's talk about um, Orlando's greatest yeah. game of the season, which only happened as yes. we're recording this, like, what, five, four or five days ago? It feels like it was six weeks ago. Yeah, no, for sure. Orlando's biggest win of the season, a 3 nothing victory on the road over the New York Red Bulls. They complete the season sweep. You might remember Orlando started their campaign with a one nothing win on opening day against the Red Bulls. Um, Ivan Angulo, Facundo Torres with a brace. Angulo with an assist as well. 3 nothing. Um <laughs> Orlando City, let me tell you, they, they've been on a roll lately. Um, the Lions are playing much better. It seems like things are finally starting to come together. You even had, what was it, the week before was the New York City game, I think, at home. No, it was Atlanta. Oh, my God, I'm thinking of that NYCFC game way too long ago. Yes. Um, Orlando that, have. I think you could say that that was really the game where it all kind of started. Since then, Orlando has looked really great they had that game against nycfc conceded a late one um the win over miami tough break against atlanta the atlanta game they drew as well right yes yeah so tough draw and that was another late draw against but, but, atlanta i mean have not lost in their last five games winning yeah. two of them obviously the draw is not ideal also not ideal to score early and concede late but like in atlanta the last goal was given up in the 86th minute in the New York City NYCFC game, it was in the 89th minute, so it was it was not. Um, and the the Columbus game was a comeback from two 0 down to make it two two. So, so you have good things in the Columbus game in terms of being able to come back. Good things in the Miami game and the Red Bulls game, including the clean sheet against Red Bulls, which was massive. But those draws not super great in terms of giving up late goals. But I, hey, five games on the bounce without losing that's you love to see it. No, for sure. And it's one of those things where we spent so much time in the early parts of the season, the first couple of months of the season, talking about Orlando's struggles and how, when we all thought it was going to turn around. But at the, at the end of the day, we all kind of knew, like, the way this league works is it's week to week. And being bad for six weeks has no meaning on what you're going to do over the next six weeks. And Orlando has proved that because they were not, you know, they took a lot longer than I think a lot of us thought it was going to take for this team to start clicking. They're getting there now. And suddenly all of the talk around what's going on, how do they fix this? Is Oscar Pereja going to keep his job? Is he the man for this? All of that's gone because like you said, five games without a loss, things are looking up. It's not just that they're, getting better results which certainly helps is that even in the results they haven't necessarily gotten that they should have the the game against nycfc again against atlanta they've been playing much better soccer um and it's both of those games kind of boiled down to what the problem has always been and it's scoring in the final third but we're starting to see that now i mean the fact that they scored three goals in a game like holy crap they don't do that twice Um, in the last in the last five games they've done that which is yeah mind-blowing yeah we got Fagundo Torres, who scored his first two goals since opening day. Am I correct? I believe you are correct. I'm double checking that right now, though. Oh, I... sorry. His third and fourth goal. So he did. That's why right, he goal. did score a second oh. goal. Okay, he, so he, he his third and Galaxy. fourth goal. 
um, first brace of the season. He's finally starting to turn it on after a really subpar first couple months of the season. Um, we got Wilder Cartagena. He's been phenomenal lately. Assisted on the first goal to Angulo. I mean, he's he's been turning it up. I think altogether. I mean, the play. You could say a lot of guys have been stepping up lately, and it's you know all things are starting to come around. Yeah, that's what we talked about for a lot in the beginning, and my stance at the beginning was it's going to take time. We need to be patient. And I started to lose some of that patience. It took me longer than it did for most people, but I certainly started to lose it over the last couple of weeks. And then you know, things have started to turn around and it's a, it feels a little validating of like, Hey, clearly the potential was there. Clearly the team was capable of these things. We obviously need to see consist- consistency. It needs to stay getting better. But I like I'm I'm really optimistic off of what we've seen the last couple weeks. Yeah, for sure. After the game, Oscar Pereja saying, "Quote: We had a complete, we had a very complete game tonight. We scored goals and kept their goals at zero. New York is a team that never gave up, and we maintained our discipline. We did not relax all the time. We were obviously trying to dominate, but the opposition was high all the time." Going away and scoring three goals and having three points with a solid performance is very encouraging. These are a lot of things. There are a lot of things that you may think we need to get better at, but as we have said before, we are in the right direction and we will keep going and we need to get better at home and we will do it. So very self-aware comments for Oscar. Obviously it's kind of, I think the tone that he shared over the last couple of months really is even when the results weren't great, he's been out there saying like, listen, we're heading in the right direction. The improvement is happening. You may not see it, but it's there. Um, and and even here, he ends up with, you know, we need to get better at home. That's kind of the obvious statement here is Orlando is playing at home, um, you know, playing poorly at home. Their record this season is two, three, and two. So, I mean, the fortress, this is, you're supposed to defend the fortress and they haven't done a very good job of that um, versus being four, one, and two on the road. I mean, you're talking one loss, in seven road games this year, three and three at home, however, um, which they will be back at home this weekend against Colorado, little lowly Colorado Rapids, 13th in the Eastern Conference on 13 points. That is the second worst record in Major League Soccer, just ahead of the uh, bumbling LA Galaxy down there at 12 points. Colorado, two wins, eight losses, seven draws on the year. Listen, this might be silly to say, but Orlando City, first of all, Colorado's 0-4-4 at home. So that's weird. 2-4-3 and on the road. But uh, like Oscar said, they need to play better at home. They have a bad team coming into home this season, or this weekend, and Orlando's playing better. So why does it feel like Orlando will lose this game 3 nothing? History. Yep. We've just seen Pretty it happen much. enough that I, I definitely I, I see it coming. It's, I mean, it would be nice to not. Now, I don't think it'll necessarily be a loss, but I think it'll probably be another disappointing either no-nil or or one nothing draw. I don't know. It just, it, you're right. I feel that vibe, and it's it's just given the history of inconsistency of this team and kind of playing down to opponents. But, I mean, listen, we could be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. This is the one time where, in my life, where I would like to be wrong about something. You know, you're at the stadium. You're there to see these games in person every week. What are you noticing between the way they're playing at home versus the way they're playing on the road in terms of just morale, effort, tactics? Like, what do you see something different going on? It's it's just a disconnect. It's players who aren't linking up the same way that they are when they're on the road. I, I don't think the factor of being on the on the road or at home is making a difference in that. I just think it's just they're not there's not the on-field communication as well. I wonder if if almost some of it is maybe they're feeling more of the pressure at home because you want to be better at home than you are on the road. I I don't know if that's maybe what it is, but it definitely feels like it's just a mental thing because you see silly lapses in judgment, you see moments where it's making kind of boneheaded plays where you're like what was the what was the thought process there? What was what was the move there? I don't really understand why you're making that play or why you're making that pass or not making that pass. There's there's lots of just weird, I don't know, weird 
things that are out of character for them at home. And so, again, I, I think some of it's the pressure, but I think going five games undefeated now and, and winning another big one. And, and by the way, both of their three goal games have been on the road. So I like there is clearly a, a difference when they're playing on the road versus playing at home. But I think we'll see a bit of a different or there's the possibility, I should say, that we see a bit of a of a, of a different team. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's weird. You watch them and you're like, you see some of the passes they make. It's like, dude, what in the world are you thinking? Like, that is that is a very dumb move. That makes no sense or there's no effort to get back on defense or there's just all sorts of really weird, out-of-character things at home. Sometimes it feels like maybe there's just that pressure of they really want to deliver for these fans. And it's hard sometimes, you know, you, you, you go to her explorer and even if the fact that it's not full, it's still a fantastic environment to play in as the home team. Sometimes it looks like they're just getting in their own heads there versus when you're on the road, you know, there's a few hundred fans, you know, in the stadium for you in those given moments, but there's less pressure to have to perform for them because they're not there. I mean, this is just a speculation. Obviously we're not inside the minds of these guys. But, um, I mean, for sure, it's, I don't know how much more we can say. It's kind of one of those bizarre things that Orlando has opened this stadium. It is one of the best environments in MLS when it is loud and it is packed and, you know, everyone is really into the game. And yet the results are almost never there, which just kind of doesn't make sense. And they go on the road and they play better and they get better results. And that's almost not how it's supposed to work, especially in Major League Soccer, a a league that is very notoriously difficult to go on the road and like play well consistently, but Orlando somehow does it. So, um, yeah, like I said, at Colorado this weekend, at, at they, home against Colorado this weekend, at at home against Colorado this weekend, the yearly matchup. Um, these two teams drew last year, one one in Colorado. Uh, before that, you got to go all the way back to twenty twenty. It was the game about a week. Before the world shut down due to the coronavirus pandemic, Orlando lost that game on a heartbreak, 2-1 to one loss. Uh, I think it was like a 90th-minute goal scored by Colorado. 3-4-3 um, to four to three before that. I want to say I remember that game. It was like one of those stupid, stupid games. Everyone was going left and right scoring. Um, I don't remember if it was raining that night, which might have contributed to it. But uh, that was a fun one. 4-3 to three back in 2019. So, uh, yeah. Any any more Orlando City before we move on? No, I, like we both said, we hope to be kind of proven wrong. We hope that it's it's a better game than I think everybody's expecting, and and we'll see if they can prove that they've developed some some consistency on offense. And then I think I think it's going to be a really exciting game. But it, it, it's a big if. Yep. Well. A little bit more disappointing now. Let's focus on it to the Orlando Pride. 2 nothing loss over the weekend at the Houston Dash. Marta did become the club's all-time regular season appearance leader, but that was pretty much it for the Pride to really talk about that night. 2 nothing loss, gave up a goal in the first in the sixth minute, and then as well in the 41st minute. After the game, head coach Seb Hines said, quote, I've sang a lot of the praise this season, even when it hasn't gone our way, results haven't gone our way. But today, we weren't the better team. Houston were the better team. They made it difficult for us, and they pressed us really hard. We looked like we weren't prepared for that. That's the most disappointing thing. If you want to play the game, if you want to play the way that we want to play, you have to dictate the game. We have to control the tempo of the game, and we didn't do that. Even though we know we didn't do the fundamentals or the basics tonight, we still created chances to score, and we've gone two games in a row now without scoring. That has to change. We'll do our best to make a difference going into the next game next week, end quote. So some pretty tough words from Heights. I mean, he's not shying away from it. We didn't do it. We weren't good. Houston was better. We're not scoring. We haven't scored now twice. What's going on with the pride? It's really interesting his approach to the team because he very much has a sense of this team must be better. Like they they have to be better than the sum of their parts, which is like listen, they're it's not 
a squad that should be winning a lot of games, at least with consistency. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but we've talked about it before. Like this is very clearly the first year of a rebuild and they're rebuilding it the right way. It's with a young core of players that just need time to develop and need to get better, especially the attacking talent. There's a lot of young players in there who aren't going to be scoring week in and week out. And that's to be expected at this point but then yeah obviously it's disappointing so i i like that he's taking the approach of like no this is awful and unacceptable i'm a little surprised that that's his his take because i feel like i would have expected a a little more muted but that's just not his personality he's not the type of coach to be okay with you know this he's not gonna this isn't a rebuilding year for him he does not see it that way this is just not it's not his approach. This is a year where they expect to be competitive and do stuff. And listen, they, they've shown really good moments. But the last two games, losing two on the road, it was just another example of just, hey, they're a young team and they're going to be inconsistent. And that's okay. It's just the way that they are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you played to win the game, I think, as like you said, this is it's a good point and he sees it as not a rebuilding year and it's his job as the head coach is to win games and regardless of whether or not this team is considered in rebuilding mode whether it's considered in championship contention mode his job regardless is the same and that is to win games and get the most out of these players and you can clearly see the frustration there is listen you know we can't we showed up to play and win and we're not doing that well enough um so you know props to him for for being obvious about the fact and not really shying away from it um and it because it it would be a disservice to the fans to put up with that performance essentially to be able to say like yeah you know it sucks we lost you know you guys are putting in your effort here to support us and you're spending your money but you know it is what it is you know sometimes you win sometimes you lose but that's life no, I mean, he's not happy with it. You know, it's it's like we're fighting for every point for you, for the players, for this club. And if we don't get it, we're not satisfied. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, things were supposed to uh, – the Pride were supposed to play Wednesday night uh, against, the, against Gotham in the Challenge Cup at Red Bull Arena. Like we kind of mentioned at the top of the show, um, the apocalypse is happening in New York right now. Some of the worst air quality – or I think the worst air quality in the world due to the wildfires up in the Quebec region of Canada that have funneled all the way down. I mean, I'm looking out my window now, and it's not nearly as bad as it has been up north, but it I can see it. You know, there's there's clearly smoke here in Richmond. Um, most, most parts of the East Coast, once you kind of get down to, I think it stops in like Jacksonville, there's smoke there, but I don't, you guys don't have any in Orlando, right? Not that I've seen, though. No. Yeah, so... But definitely up there. Smart decision. The Yankees played in it on Tuesday night. Major League Baseball did not cancel that game, despite other, um, despite other things being canceled. Yet they played through it, then eventually canceled on Wednesday night. Were so. other things canceled on Tuesday? Because I know, I know, like I, I saw a time lapse of like 10 a.m. Wednesday to 2 the p.m. Wednesday. Yankees AAA team out in Scranton, Wilkesbury, which is maybe like two less than three hours away from New York City, canceled. So, uh, but the Yankees did not cancel their game in at Yankee Stadium on Wednesday or on Tuesday. Okay, so, which so was kind I, of bizarre I just, because it was still it wasn't it didn't look like what we saw on Wednesday afternoon, but it was still like the sky was still orange Tuesday night. So it was kind of bizarre that they played through that. Gotcha. And I have seen, thankfully, it doesn't seem like there have been fatalities from this. Seems like just a lot of you know people being evacuated and. I'm sure some homes possibly lost and things like that, which are very not good, but thankfully no lives lost. So I do feel okay making jokes that, you know, maybe not the worst thing that we're raising parts of Canada as my lifelong hatred of Canada has been quite well known. Yeah. It's not fair that they get to have better like healthcare systems and just general like laws and the way they run their country. But now they're like literally ruining our life over here yeah so listen can not you not cool. can you not keep your fires within your own borders please we don't we don't need right that. we don't send our fires up there you know we don't send all of the california you know what was really annoying is i don't know if you've seen this but it was the squabbling on twitter between 
West Coasters and East Coasters over who's had the worst uh, fire smoke disasters of the last couple years. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, come on, come on. A lot of that is just like somebody made the point. They said that two things are true about this. The weather is it's really bad. What's happening right now is really bad. And it's the coverage is also very New York centric. And like, that's annoying where people are acting like this is the first time this has ever been a problem that's existed because it's in New York. And I think that's fair. I think a lot of the West Coast people, it's like they're kind of comparing sizes. You know what I mean? And it's it's just like, man, why are we why are we doing this here? Why the fires are bad. Full stop. That's it. Fire bad. But yeah, yeah people are. Uh, <laughs> I'll give them credit. It's bizarre. I mean, I seen the pictures for the first time yesterday um, of in Orange, New York City. That you know, certainly, it's kind of one of those things where it's hard to believe that it was not a movie. Um, but that's just Earth. The, most of the things that climate change has done to us have made it seem like, holy crap, how is that real? But yeah, it turns out we uh, don't treat the planet well, and obviously, wildfires existed before a lot of climate change stuff was really having a massive impact and they'll happen after. Nobody's saying that that's the only reason these happened. What people are saying is part of the reason why they're worse and the effects are more widespread is because of not just climate change, but also just people's general lack of caring about the climate, which I think is kind of the more important thing there. I think just people don't care as much about what's happening. And so when these things happen and when they're more devastating, a lot of that's why. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on from that. Um, the Pride are at home this weekend against the Portland Thorns Sunday night at Explorer Stadium. That game. So the game on Wednesday was supposed to be on CBS Sports Network. It was rescheduled all the way to August uh, August 9th. 7.30, August 9th. The game will be rescheduled. That one will now stream on Paramount+. Plus. The game this Sunday however, against the Thorns, will be on CBS Sports Network. So they will still be on national TV this weekend if you have that channel. Good for that. All right, well, let's uh, move on to the end of the show. Weird news, red cards, hot takes, whatever we got. Kyle, you got some weird news for us this week. Do I have some weird news? My friend, I always come prepared. And I'm not actually vamping because I've had this pulled up since before we started. Barrel Hog steals 18 beers, gets drunk, and starts a fight with a cow before passing out under a tree. Hey, we've all been there. Feral hogs are a massive problem wherever they live. But in Australia, the invasive species have done quite a bit of damage to the estimated 40% of terrain in the country that the beasts inhabit. Uh, There's a lot about the existence of feral hogs in Australia and what they do and how invasive species can be bad for places they can occasionally be good but the more important part or information here is that one of them got absolutely hammered made off with 18 cans of beer that left out by a camper got drunk and then as everybody does after a night of drinking started looking for food it's just a wild i mean this is great try to start a fight with a cow that's why but also that's great and hysterical and we need more stories about feral hogs fighting cows <laughs> 40 to 50 feral hogs running through my yard <laughs> um, always a classic one of the one of the greatest tweets of all time yes um for my weird news this week so nobody likes to give bad news you know if it were up to you would you like to give bad news or like cancel plans, like quit your job, or would you rather just have someone do that for you? I mean, I like to you know, cancel plans. That is one of my favorite things to do. But uh, for other things, yeah, I would love to have someone do that for me. Yeah. Well, the good news is that in Japan, there are actually um, places, so there are actually companies that you can hire that will do it for you. So there's a um, there's a man in Japan. He wanted to. Um, he knew that his decision would face resistance because he wanted to quit his job. And so he says, and I quote, that, you know, then they try to guilt. They tr- when you try to quit, they give you a guilt trip. Um, they try to make you feel ashamed and guilty that you quit your job in less than three years. And I, you know, I had a very difficult time. So what he did is he began a company called Exit, a startup that handles the awkward business of handling handing in your notice on behalf of Japanese employees who are too ashamed or embarrassed to do it themselves. 
Um, so for about $144 or 20,000 yen, Exit will contact the client's employer to inform them of their decision to quit, allowing the employee to avoid any anxiety-inducing confrontations with their superiors. Um, so I love it. I love just being able to say, you know what? I would rather pay you to quit for me than to have to go in and face the boss myself. That's one of those scenarios. You know, it's like um, breaking up over text, like, you know, kind of one of those things. So uh, don't, 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 not a bad idea. Breaking up with, with work over text. Okay. Breaking up with a human being over text, maybe not so much. Oh, I'm not saying I condone it, but you know, it's along the lines of like, I can't do this in person. So I'm going to do this a much easier way. Um, admittedly. So, you know, I was, I was in the seventh grade. So I was young. I did. I don't. I didn't necessarily break up over text. I just stopped talking to a person that I was, you know, quote unquote, dating in the seventh grade. Um, I was just like, you know what? I don't want to break up with them. But if I just ignore them, maybe they'll get the hint, and it'll be a lot easier all around. So, I see where this man's coming from. It, that does sound like Pete Gavin Eubank. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, uh, red cards or playing advantage. I'm going to I'm going to play advantage. I've got a positive thing to share this week and that is uh, playing advantage to Lord and Miller and the rest of the team uh behind Spider-Verse. It's not actually f- I've not seen the new Spider-Verse movie yet. I'm seeing it tomorrow. But there was a story so back when the first trailer for Across the Spider-Verse came out, there was a kid, a 14-year-old kid who made a Lego animated version of the first trailer and they thought it was so good that they wanted to hire him what five months out from the movie coming out to animate Lego Spider-Man scenes in the new movie and this wasn't revealed until after it had come out the the kid himself confirmed it and then Lord and Miller in an interview talked about it more and they so they hired him and he animated it over his spring break and he was like yeah and if you have any changes you know I can I can do them once I finish my homework but what a freaking cool like they saw this kid do something and gave him this opportunity like first of all this kid is going to get any job or any into any school if he wants to go to school to college to study this like this man you put that on an application that's literally all you need you can flunk out of high school and just go listen i animated scenes in one of the seminal works of animation of our time and they're like yeah no you're good you're in but it's such a nice like such a cool there's so much bad and like lots of stuff going on with obviously the the writer strike right now going on in Hollywood and now the the screen actors guild may also go on strike only the directors got a deal because of course they get to benefit uh it tends to be who studios kind of prefer don't blame them for that the directors it's on the studios but yeah it's what a cool like heartwarming like man they did something they did something cool they did something right for someone that's awesome i love that so shout out to this kid Preston who did some fire animation on those trailer things uh, hopefully we'll see, like, I'm excited to see his things in the movie and hopefully that's a kid that in like 10 years is like revolutionizing animated films in the way that Spider-Verse has. And it'll be super cool to see, see more of that. Very, very cool. Very cool. I think I did catch a glimpse of that. I saw it appear on my timeline somewhere, but I don't think I looked into that. So that is cool. Um, for my, let's see. I'm going to do a red card to Apple's new um, Vision Pro headset. You've all seen the jokes online. I mean, this thing, first of all, it's $3,500. Second of all, it, it clearly seems to be marketed to businesses, I guess, because it, most of it's just like the use cases are you're in a meeting or you're doing work or something. But it this is so absurd. I don't see a scenario in which vr or augmented reality technology ever becomes mainstream i mean do you remember how badly people roasted the google glass for and just like how awful that was in general people were getting punched on the street because everyone thought like oh you're filming me and imagine someone walking imagine walking down the street and seeing someone wearing that headset how do you not just go pull their underwear over their head for being the biggest loser yeah it's 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 definitely uh now i do think some of their strategy with this was to um it's more for developers to get it 
so I think it's it's gonna be one of those things where it's like it we're gonna see um we're gonna see like companies go buy dev kits and work on developing stuff and then in like two or three years we're gonna see a more consumer friendly version for like five hundred bucks that comes out. But like I think eventually these are gonna be pretty normal things that we see. I don't know. I I mean, you think about like the Oculus and PlayStation's VRs and like all of this stuff. I just don't see it catching on. I just, I mean, we've it's been around long enough. I mean, like what are the practical uses of it? Because video games have dabbled in it, but never hasn't really not taken off. I mean, I don't I think everyone can agree that the met, the metaverse is never going to become what Mark Zuckerberg thinks it will become. I don't know. I mean, like the use cases in the video were just simpler like I'm watching a movie on a screen. I'm watching, I'm looking at my text messages. Like you're doing things that we already do, but you have something on your face to do it. So I don't, I mean, I've heard from people that have, people that have used it have said it looks like it works really well. It is really cool. It's neat technology. And I do think eventually just those will be things that'll be more commonplace and kind of accepted. But yeah, I, it's listen, it's not going to be, anytime soon and it's not going to be mainstream you know anytime soon but i i think it's cool that things like that are starting to be be developed more if there's ever eventually like an actual like user or cost effective way to get into it i'd I'd probably check it out but i have no interest in the stuff as it exists now it's too cumbersome or it's too expensive and it's just none of it right now is worth actually getting into but i think putting a really well-made thing into the hands of developers and allowing them to create more things for it. I think eventually this, this could see a push for more mainstream um, usage of, of VR and, and, and augmented reality, which is more what this is, but no, we'll have to see. I, I think this, this thing is obviously a bit of a joke. Like nobody's going to go buy this regularly, but I think you, you will see developers buy it. I think you will see stuff made for it. And then in a couple of years, by 2025, probably we'll, we'll have a very like cheaper version of it. I mean, maybe, I mean, Apple is certainly, you know, one of those companies where if they can succeed in getting it actually into the hands of people, then, you know, who knows get it at a better price point, which it's also only available in the U S it will be next year, so that's not going to help at all. Um, but who knows? Maybe five years down the road. But as of right now, the big old red card to the Vision Pro. Um, one more. I'll, I'll do the playing advantage, too. This one came up earlier that we were talking about. Um, Omaha Production or Peyton Man's Omaha Productions is teaming up with Daniel Ricardo. They're going to do their own style of the uh, Manning cast for select F1 races this year, uh, hosted by Will Arnett and Daniel Ricardo. I'm excited for that. That's going to be a fun time. Um, they're going to start this, not this weekend, next weekend for the F1 race in Montreal. Um, so that'll be awesome. Uh, June 18th. And then the other ones will be the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin, Texas uh, in October. And then the L.A. or the Las Vegas Grand Prix in November. Um, so that's fun. I mean, I i i like watching the the sky sports broadcast i mean they're really informed like they they make it very exciting but i think this will be also fun to kind of have like a different pace if you're you know i mean f1 has obviously not been interesting almost at all this season beyond qualifying and even then it hasn't really amounted to anything red bulls won every race so i think it will be fun to be able to just oh okay Max has a 10 second lead after the first two laps. Let me flip over and, and see what kind of silliness is going on on the uh, Ricardo cast. Yeah, no, I, that'll be uh, like, I'm excited to watch that for sure. That's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, honestly, anything with Will Arnett, I'll watch it. I mean, funny dude, always entertaining. Absolutely. I'm with you on that one. It'll be, it'll be nice um, to, and like I said, it's just, like you were saying, it's just nice to have more, f1 content and more entertaining f1 content yeah especially if you're espn i mean it's very clear that this season is not you know like i said it it hasn't been it hasn't been gripping in any way and so if you're worried about maybe less people are going to tune in well i can watch an f1 race while also getting what is basically going to be like an entertaining podcast that is simulcasted with it so that'll be fun at least i'll get something out of the broadcast yeah so we'll see 
Yep. Um, all right. Well, that's it. That is it. That's that's uh, that's, that's this week's show. Also, we, I guess we should play advantage briefly to uh, Detroit City FC for their their new. I think you should leave Corn Cob TV jersey. Yes, and if they don't put that up for sale, we are going to riot. I'm gonna definitely call them it. like I called my cable company to make sure they they didn't drop Corn Cob TV. Absolutely. All right. Well, we made it just at an hour, so we almost hit our target. So um, everything else is cut for time at this point. So uh, until next time, I'm Gavin. That's Kyle. We'll talk to you guys later.